Hi, this is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, and today I have Michael Mamey, who is a science fiction military author with me today. Hi, Michael. Hey, how are you doing? Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great. Can you tell uh, the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm Michael Mamey. I'm a, a military science fiction author. Um, I have two books out. My first novel was Planet Side. It came out in 2018, and my second novel was Space Side, which came out in 2019, both through HarperCollins, a Harper Voyager imprint. Um, and then the third book is due out at the end of this year in December, and it's called Colony Side. Oh, cool. You know, I was wondering, because you have such a fascinating background, would you mind talking a little bit more about um, some of your military background? Yeah, sure. Um, so before, before I started as a writer, I spent 27 years, I graduated from West Point uh, back in 1990, and I spent 27 years in the Army as an artillery officer. Um, I retired in 2017 uh, as a colonel, and uh, that has really, really helped me as I transitioned into a career in writing because I have my pension and I have my health care, neither of which, uh, you know, are provided by being an author. Um, so being an author, your money kind of comes in when it comes in. It's very unregulated. Um, if your books are doing well, then, then you make money. If they're not, you don't. Um, and you don't really have any uh, sense of that. So from a financial standpoint, being a retired military officer really helps me out in, in that regard. Nice. So I was wondering, like, when did you first starting having this idea that you were going to be a writer? I mean, I assume that this has been an ongoing process, like many, many years back, your interest in writing. Yeah, I, um, I told the story a while back um, somewhere where um, I really it really started when I was in, in college. Huh? I was 18 or 19. Um, and I told my mom, I, I want to be a writer. Huh. Um, and then, and, and, you know, my mom, being the great mom that she is, was just really supportive of that forever. Mm. And then I didn't write for like 30 years because oh, really? I didn't have time. I went, to the mar I went into the Army. Um, you know, I thought about it from time to time. I took a couple extra classes at, at West Point. I mean, I was an economics major, but I took a couple of English electives because I was just really interested in it. And I've always read a ton of books. Mm -hmm. um, but it really wasn't until about 2013, 2014, where I actually started writing in my spare time. And part of that was getting assigned to a duty station where my wife wasn't with me. Um, so, so I was up in uh, Columbia, South Carolina at Fort Jackson, and my wife was down here in Savannah. Um, so I was only seeing her on weekends. So on the weekdays, I would be home at night with nothing to do. I'm not the kind of guy who's going to go out. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not, that's not me. So I was sitting around my apartment and I just started writing, um, you know, met some other writers, kind of learned what I was doing, studied it a lot. And that's how I kind of started. Um, but if you look um, in my first book, if you look at the, uh, the dedication, it's it says to my mom, who was the first one who believed. Um, because back then, you know, even when it was ridiculous, when I was a teenager, even when I was ridiculous and said I wanted to do that, she was just so supportive of it. Um, so let's go. Sorry, I started to cry a little bit. <laughs> oh, no, that's awesome. I just feel like, you know, it is a lot. When I talk to other creatives, they usually started early on somewhere when they were younger. And it was um, family members that, you know, and also friends that would encourage them. They were kind of, you know, 
the idea that this could be a possibility for a career. Um, so I think that's fantastic um, that you took a break, but then you, you know, buckled down and you started doing it. And I think it's kind of interesting because I feel like, you know, these kind of pursuits, you can be at any age, um, whether it's art or writing, those kind of areas, you know, you can be 60 and go ahead and jump in and say, hey, I want to be an illustrator or you want to, you know, I've been researching more and more and it's like people come to it at different points in their lives. Yeah, I talk to other writers about that a lot because I think there's this idea that if you don't do it by a certain age, you're a failure. And you see that in, in the writing community. You see people talking about that at the same time. And then you'll see somebody put out this great post. You know, they'll, they'll be trying to be supportive and they go, my first book didn't publish till I was 31. You can, you, you know, you're, it's never too late. And I'm like, come on. You know, my, my first book published when I was 49. <laughs> you know, you're, you're a baby. You know, you know, I haven't even thought about getting into to writing. And honestly, I didn't start writing to be a career. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't know. I mean, I write. I wrote with the with the object of getting, or with the goal of getting published. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really ever think that it was going to be something I was going to be able to do full time. Mm -hmm. um, which is why when I got out of the army, I mean, I didn't make I didn't make a big enough advance on my first book. Authors don't make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Right. On my first book, I did not make a big enough advance to do it full time. That's why I took the job at Benedictine teaching, um, because, okay. you know, I, it wasn't it wasn't enough money to support. Um, the first book did way better than it was supposed to. Um, it, it out, you know, it outdid expectations. And awesome. so it became a reality for me a few years later. But, but like I said, my third book is coming out and I have contracts for four and five. Wow. Um, so, so I'll be right. I have three books to write in the next nine months, which is part of why I'm not going to teach it. Okay. Gotcha. It's a lot. That's awesome. So at what point did you realize that you had a manuscript that you thought you would, I mean, cause I wasn't certain. Did you go through an agent first to shop around your manuscript or were you submitting it directly to certain publishers for your first book? Yeah, so in, in the in the writing business, there's almost no opportunity to submit directly to big publishers anymore. That's that's a myth. Um, it might have been true in the 70s and 80s. It is definitely not true today. Without an agent, you don't get read. Um, and you can't hire an agent. Agents choose you. So you submit to an agent. Uh, my agent probably receives about, um, you know, somewhere between five and... 7,000 submissions a year and Ooh. takes on about two Wow! Um, as far as authors. Um, so it's really, really, really competitive. And then even then, you're not guaranteed to sell. The agent obviously takes you on because she thinks you're the one who's going to sell. Um, and my age is wonderful, um, you know, and, and sold my book in about nine months after oh. I signed with her, which nice. is pretty quick. Um, sometimes it happens very quick. Sometimes it happens years and years later. But I have friends who've written eight or nine books before they get their first one published. Um, you know, I have one friend who'd been writing for years, wrote tons and tons of books, never got one published, and now is like on her fourth book this year. Oh, nice. um, it just broke open for her all at one time. So it's a really weird business. Um, but yeah, you have to you have to get an agent really to approach big publishers. You can get small publishers, and of course anybody can publish, self publish. Um, you know, which is a different kind of business. That's more of a sales business than a writing business in my, in my personal view. Uh, but I have some very successful uh, self-published friends. 
amazing. Well, I was wondering, so like once you got your agent, okay, so then um, you got the, con they went ahead and contracted uh, the book, um, your first book. Um, how long would you say, I mean, because was it like completely finished or were you having to do a lot of edits? I mean, once your yeah. book got accepted? Okay, so it's okay. I have to I have to differentiate between first book and now. Oh, okay. Okay. So with your first book, um, unless you're famous, mm -hmm. okay. But if you're just an average person like me, you have to write the entire book, and it has to be ready to go and polished before you can send it, even send it to an agent. Mm -hmm. So you have to be completely done with the book. Um, and I was, and I knew it was good. Just, just. Not you know self you know modesty aside, mm -hmm. false modesty aside. I, I knew it was good. I didn't know if it was good enough, mm -hmm. but I knew I knew even if I wasn't in the top two for an agent, oh. I was going to be in the top ten or so. I mean, mm -hmm. I had a I had a shot, you know, and I knew I knew it was good, um, and so I felt good about it. I knew it was the best thing I could write at the time. Mm -hmm. So when I sent it out to agents, I was very I was very calm when I got rejections because I, okay. I mean I, I applied to 32 agents oh. and I got accepted by two. Oh, okay, wow. so even with a book that's gonna sell, uh -huh. that's what you're looking at because some agents it just doesn't they just don't jive with how you write. Okay. They don't want military science fiction sure. or they don't you know they don't think your book is what they can sell, mm -hmm. but they just don't like it. And, and as an agent, they're gonna end up reading your book four or five times. Wow. So it's important for them to like it. Okay. Um, so the whole book was done, um, and when we sold it, it needed very few edits oh, because nice. I had spent a lot of time on it, uh, and it was really, really in pretty good shape, okay. um, and I had as much time as I wanted to write it. The great thing about your first book is you have forever. Okay. You can write it because you send it in when you're ready. Okay. You know, there is no deadline. Now, if you're like me and you procrastinate, that's not okay. always great. Um, but then, so what happened was my agent sold that book and she actually sold it as part of a two book deal. Ooh. Yeah. So, nice. and the publisher said, Hey, so the second book is in, in the contract, which I didn't know until I read the contract for the first time. This is going to be a sequel. Well, I didn't write book one with a sequel in mind. Oh. So I then had nine months to come up with a sequel. Oh. So now you're on the clock. Um, and that was a completely different process, but the book was sold before I ever even started writing. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So right. that was and now, like, yeah. as a published author who has sold fairly well, uh -huh. um, you know, I'm not a bestseller or anything, but I'm outperforming what I needed to. I'm outperforming the contract they gave me. Great. Um, so because of that, I can now sell books on a pitch. Nice. So I'll write an outline. I sold my book three. Uh -huh. I sold book three on an on a on a pitch, Ooh. and actually book four with nothing. Oh. I mean, book four was wow. a well because they were on the same contract. Uh -huh. It was book three and a book to be named later. Um, and then I wrote. I was so I had sold them already, uh -huh. um, and I wrote the the pitch for book four, which I'm just starting to write now because I just finished writing book three. Um, I sold that on. You know, basically a sentence. Oh, wow. But because they know that I can deliver on time, they've seen that. They know that my books are going to sell at least moderately well, and at least enough where they're going to recoup what they put into it. Um, so it's all business, and that part of it, um, my agent handles almost all that. Nice. She tells me what to write next. I mean, I tell her what I want to write, 
she goes and sells it and then she tells me when it's due um and i, I just that's awesome so are you you're developing quite the fan base then because if you're if they're coming back and they want the sequels and things like that have you um met any of your um fans that have been reading your books uh a few a few um that you know in this world today it's so spread out mm-hmm. that you know i've had people in savannah obviously because it's, i'm local a lot of people around here have read it and know you know and it's nice to talk to them and you know about it um but a lot of online stuff um you know, a lot of online stuff, people, people will know my work, um, in, in certain niche areas of the, you know, of the internet, uh-huh. um, uh, a few people, but not a lot. Uh-huh. I mean, on the grand scheme of things, you know, it would be like, I don't know, let me put it in terms where, where am I in my, in, in the level of, of writer fame? Uh-huh. I don't know, like the 15th name down on the TV show. <laughs> Right. Whereas if you're a huge fan of that show, you probably know who that is. Right. You probably know the actors all the way, you know, all the way top to bottom. You know, you know, you know who who that bit part character is. That's me. I mean, I'm not I'm not the lead. I'm not famous by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not going to walk in and have people recognize me. But if I'm at a convention of science fiction fans, people are going to walk up to me with my book and ask me to sign. Oh, that's awesome. That is so cool. So. Are you, um, after this series, I mean, I didn't know as an author, do you, you must have other stories that might not be tied into the series. You, you know, do you on the side develop those other stories or do you just keep going with your series? I mean, I was just curious how that works. Yeah. So it's, yes, um, both of those. (laughs) Um, the first thing first is whatever your deadline is, that's what you got to do. Um, so, so some of the creativity, as soon as it becomes a business, some of the creativity is gone. Like, I can't sit down tomorrow and write whatever I want. I mean, I can't tomorrow, but I got to make that time up on Saturday, mm-hmm. um, you know, because of my next book. So I turned in book three, um, which was due in December, last December. And, um, and then I had edits due in late March. So I've been working on book three. Like, in book three, unlike book one, when I sent book three to my editor, he was like, uh, yeah. No, this isn't ready to publish. Yeah. You need to do this work. And it was, I rewrote 60% of it um, while teaching. And that was a lot. I was very stressed out. Um, you, you know, I wasn't a lot of fun to be around as that was going on. Um, but that's done. Um, and I've been taking a break for like the last three weeks from writing. And I'm just getting ready to start jamming on book four, which is due on December 10th. Wow. So I've got December, I got till December 10th to create a novel pretty much from scratch. Now the idea is there, the outline's there and approved. I have a good outline. Okay. And honestly, for me, that's not that hard. Okay. I'll write the go. whole first draft in nine weeks. Really? Um, it'll be done in nine weeks. And that's, wow. that's not the outside. I mean, it might be eight, I might get away with seven, but probably comfortably I can write a first draft in about nine weeks. I write wow. about 10,000 words a week. Wow. Um, when I have the time and I now, now that school's over, um, you know, that'll be three to four hours at the, at the on the screen a day, wow. um, to, to get 10,000 decent words and that'll be draft. It'll have to be rewritten. I'll end up rewriting it six or seven times wow. before it gets to the end. Um, but, but so that's book four and I don't have a choice. I mean, I have to write that and I honestly don't have any time to do anything else because book five is due to a different publisher in March. 
So in the breaks that I have from book four, I will be writing book five. Um, And those are both outside of my series. So those are both two original ideas outside of my three book series, which is concluding in December. So book three is the end of that series. It's still open. I mean, the character is still alive. Spoiler. Um, He's going to live through book three. Um, So he's still alive. And I could go back and write a fourth book if the terms are correct. Uh But I wasn't super excited about making that my fourth book. I really, really wanted to branch out Mm -hmm. and write other things. Okay. One, to show that I can. Two, because I was a Two, I was a little sick of the character that I was writing, and I'm just ready to do something different, a little different tone. Mm-hmm. Um, the three, also to see if I could do it in the market, right? Um, because selling a book inside of the series is different than selling a book outside. Of the series. Oh. So I'm kind of excited to see what will happen with book four now. That won't come out till like Christmas of 2021. Right. So it'll be a while before we know. Uh-huh. Um, but I really want to see how that goes because it'll kind of tell me where my career's going. Because if that one sells, um, as I hope it will, that really changes my whole career. Because now I'm a guy who can deliver, I'm seen as by publishers as a guy who can deliver in multiple series. Oh, nice. Which gives me the option to branch out and do more things. I have, like, the book of my heart, the one that I've been dreaming of writing, I have, like, notebook full of stuff on it that I want to write. I just, I'm not allowed to write it, right? Oh, really? Um, well, oh, I don't have time. I have oh. the books that people are paying me for. Oh, gotcha. gotcha. Um, so I got to do them in order to create the time and freedom um, to do that book. And that's part of another reason why I, I quit my day job, mm-hmm. was so that I would have the ability to get to that book in my spare time. Um, because that book is harder to write. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a level more difficult than what I write now mm-hmm. with multiple points of view um in a bigger you know time spanning plot a little more epic mm-hmm. um and honestly when i started as a writer i probably wasn't good enough to write it mm-hmm. um and i think now that i am mm-hmm. um and we'll find out because i mean at some point i'm gonna write that book mm-hmm. but because it's really different than anything i've done before i probably have to write the whole thing on spec which oh. means i have to write it i will not probably not be able to sell that book with just an outline. I might have to write the whole thing. Oh, really? Wow. It's okay because I can work on, you know, I can sell another book on spec maybe while oh. I'm working on that one. It's, we'll see. A lot, there's a lot, a lot of variables, but I have such a great agent who kind of guides me through it and, and kind of keeps me on track for, you know, writing the things that I owe. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an ex-army guy. I'm never missing a deadline. That's not, so... <laughs> I'm not too worried. About. That's great. So is it easy? So now basically in a way it is easier because you have your agent, you've done the um, multiple books in a series. So if you do something like, so basically if you choose to do something that's completely different, maybe even in genre, you have to really write out the whole manuscript pretty much if you're going to. Very and, possible. Right. Okay. Almost certainly. Okay. Um, there are probably people who don't have to do that, right? I mean, if you're Stephen King yeah. and you say, hey, I'd like to write a comedy today, yeah. someone will, that, that's fine. He, he can do that. They might not pay him as much as they would pay him for something else, but someone's going to buy that book just because he's Stephen King. I am not Stephen King. I haven't reached that level of being able to do that. So, yeah, I would probably 
have to write at least half of it. Um, probably the whole thing. Um, and I may do that at some point because I love fantasy. I mean, I'm, all my books are science fiction. I love fantasy. I would love to write a fantasy book at some time. Um, but right now, all my ideas and, and my books are, are going to be science fiction. Very cool. Yeah. Well, can I ask if there were any writers on your journey? Because you said you read a lot. Like, were there any authors that inspired maybe like your writing in a way or? Yeah, I think, I mean, the, the first author I think that I read, I mean, other than the stuff I read in college, which is, you know, more classic stuff, I read, you know, um, A Prayer for Owen Meany, and, which is which is a John Irving book, which is fantastic. But I wouldn't call him an influence in any in any way, um, you know, but they kind of inspired me with, with their with their work. Um, I would say that the first in-genre author that really made me think about it again as a, as a writer was Elizabeth Moon, who you may not have heard of. She's a science fiction and fantasy author, um, but she wrote a fantasy series back in the 90s called The Deed of Paxinaria. Um, and the first book in that is The Sheep Farmer's Daughter. And I read that um, and I thought, you know, it was military fantasy. Oh. <laughs> and, and it was really kind of the first good military fantasy that I'd ever read. And I was like, I really want to do that. And I have this novel that I wrote that will never be seen. Um, my first novel that I ever wrote, which did not sell and will never sell um, and will never be seen by anybody again. But it's almost derivative um, of her work, you know, in an in a homage kind of way. I mean, it's not plagiarized or anything, but but it's definitely... Like if you had read her stuff and you read this, you could see where I got it from. So she was really one of the big influences in a, in a cool story. So my agent, she's represented by the same agency that represents me. So when I was, so when you sign with your agent, they want you and they're trying to convince you to sign with them and not the other agent that you have a choice. So they're like, oh yeah, you like Elizabeth Moon. We'd be happy to have her talk to you about, you know, and I'm like, no, no, we're not going to do that. I was like too intimidated. <laughs> Um, so, so I didn't do that. And then for my book, Planet Side, um, I had finished, I had given up on the first novel, um, the one that I had put away, the fantasy novel, because it wasn't good enough. And I had rewritten it like 10 times and it wasn't going to be good enough. <laughs> and I didn't want to write it again. I was just tired. So I was taking a break. Um, and I had probably not written for maybe 30 days. And I read, I was reading Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. Oh, it's not science fiction or fantasy yeah. at all. Uh-huh. But it's got this amazing first person voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the character, the male character though, but they have alternating chapters between the male and female character. Mm-hmm. Um, but the voice of it, it's first person, it's told in first person, not always written in third person. And I was like, Oh wow, that's the voice. Mm-hmm. I need to do that. I need to write in first person. Mm-hmm. This story that I had in my head, which became Planet Side, wow. it's like it was just screaming to be told in first person. Until I read Gillian Flynn, I didn't think about ever doing that. Oh, cool. And then I sat down that night yeah. and I wrote probably I wrote the first chapter and I sent it to three of my um, beta readers, my critique partners, people who we share work and help each other. And they were like, "Yes, this this is it. Give me more." Nice. Um, and then like eight or nine weeks later, I had written Planet Side. Wow. So now I revised it a whole bunch of stuff before I got my agent. Yeah. But that was, so those are some inspirations. And then if you look at, if you ever read Planet Side, you'll see, um, obviously 
the obvious references, the obvious allusions to um, Joseph Conrad, um, you know, some Heart of Darkness stuff uh, in there, okay. um, and, and other people like that. Okay. But those are really the big ones, I think, big influences. Nice. And you mentioned that you have a critique group. How, um, how important do you think that is for anybody who's an aspiring author to have people they can go to to get feedback from? Yeah. Um, so there's no, I like to say, I give a lot of writing advice. I work with a lot of developing writers nice. um, as a teacher. I think that's in my nature. Um, and I would say always caveat everything with there is no universally true advice. Mm. Everybody, there's a path, there's a different path for everyone. Mm -hmm. However, if there is universally true advice, mm -hmm. that advice is you must have other writers read and critique your work. You must. I mean, maybe there's one or two people in the world who, who can get by without it, you know, um, but you will never get better unless people tell you hard truths about your work because you think it's good, but it's not, mm -hmm. you know, that first, book. I thought when I wrote that first book, I thought it was good. Mm -hmm. And then I met people who told me and showed me very clearly that it wasn't. And after they showed me, I then understood but I would never would have understood without them pointing out, you know, very basic things that I was wrong. Um, but I use them even now, mm -hmm. you know, I don't have to, I can send anything to my editor and he'll edit it, okay. but I use two different rounds of critique partners okay. um, for all of my books. So I do a first draft and then I do a second draft on my own uh -huh. and mm -hmm. I send it to three readers. Oh, and I get feedback from them and I rewrite it again. Nice. And then I send it to another group of three readers who hasn't seen it yet. Okay. Because I don't want them to be jaded. You can't use the same reader twice because then your surprise doesn't work, right? Okay. Your midpoint surprise, which you're trying to get just right so that people go like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Well, if you've already read it, of course you see it coming. You're, you become a bad guy. Um, so I use two rounds of readers now. <clears throat> I think a lot of authors do. Some, some don't. Um, some don't anymore, you know, some, I know some professional authors who don't use readers at all anymore. Um, but that's this, their process. Mm -hmm. They, they self-edit maybe better than I do. I don't know. Um, but my process involves a lot of readers, but I would say if you're developing mm -hmm. and you want to get into the business, you have to, you have to get critique. Yeah. Um, and if you can't find critique partners or a critique group, there's a lot online. Um, a lot of resources online that will help you find those people. It's still really hard because it's terrifying to put your work out there, mm -hmm. right? Even now, even knowing that my next book will be published, mm -hmm. right? My fourth book that I'm starting to write now will be published. When I send it to my first reader, I'll, it'll, I'll almost get sick. <sighs> I mean, I'm just that nervous about it because, you know, you're letting someone else see it for the first time. And what if it sucks? Nice. You know, gotcha. so so yeah. I think I haven't lost that feeling yet, mm -hmm. and um, it doesn't go away. Mm -hmm. So it's something that if you're an aspiring author, that kind of have to get used to. Yeah, that's a, a parallel in the arts. Um, I do commercial illustration, and I used to dread in my undergrad doing critiques, and now I'm just like, give it to me because my work has like gotten so much better. And then finding those people who are equally as giving about critiques and feedback as I am, 
Um, it's built a support group. You know, they want to see me do well. I want to see them be successful in the work that they do. So we really try to be conscious and mindful about what we're saying about each other's work because we want each other to be successful. So it's great. I think yeah. it's important. It's Yeah, it's important. It's supportive. Mm -hmm. um, now, with that said, there are bad ones. Oh, really? Right. There are bad critiques. You can get bad critiques. And mm -hmm. if, you've, if you've gone through school yeah. with you know, random people critiquing your work. Mm -hmm. There are, there are ones that are very valuable Yes. and there are ones that you are not at all valuable. And then there's ones that are almost negative, negative value. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would say that if you get those, get, just, just cut those people out of your life. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to find the right ones. And honestly, I think the first time my first book, I think I probably went through 10 critique partners to find three that kind of worked. Oh, okay. Um, you know, and you don't have to trade the whole book. You trade the chapter because the last thing you want to do, because when you're, when you're aspiring, you're going to have to trade critiques uh -huh. for me to critique you. You got to critique me, mm -hmm. right? We're going to, and, and in a perfect critique partner relationship, we are both giving equally to that. Mm -hmm. yes. Um, yes. But you will find situations where that's not the case where you're yeah. spending all this time, giving exactly. them a great critique, <laughs> you like four minutes worth of, you know, Oh, yes. I thought it was good. Uh, mm -hmm. thanks that's useless to me yes. you know so right yes. so you got to find good people good critiques and they have to be other writers mm -hmm. okay i would i would say that it can't be your brother it can't be your mom mm -hmm. um you know unless your mom's a professional author then that's fine maybe and she's willing to be hard on you because mm -hmm. you need people you know it can't be your spouse because your spouse has to love you right <laughs> even if your book sucks <laughs> You know, my wife is never going to tell me my book is bad, even if she hates it, mm. because so, so, so she's no, she's of no value as a, as a reader, you know, because it, that doesn't help. You need people who are going to, and it hurts. It sucks. Mm. Right. So my book three, when I sent it to my editor and he basically said, no, this is not good enough. Mm. That was pretty brutal for a minute. Right. I mean, that was about a 24 hour period of like, oh, I'm the worst writer ever. I suck so bad. But then I read it again and his notes are so good. Mm. Like, like he's, he, cause it's not just, Hey, this isn't good enough. It's here's the things I want you to look at. And you, I read them and I was like, mm. Oh, that makes sense. That would make this so much better. Mm -hmm. Why don't I do this? That will make okay. it so much better. You know? So it was pretty cool because he basically gave me a one month assignment to rewrite 60% of my book. And I was excited about it. Because the notes were so good, oh, you know, good. and that's what good critique should do. When you get critique from someone and it's like, wow, yes, I want to do that. That's going to make this better. Then, you know, that's your person, you know, it, it, it's, it's that. And if you don't feel that way, mm -hmm. if they're just telling you that it's great, mm -hmm. you got to get a harder critique. And if you can't find it, you can pay for it. Unfortunately, that's not always great for an artist. Do not go hire an editor for a thousand dollars, okay? Uh, Which is the going rate for a whole novel. Wow. Um, you don't have to do that, you know. Get get someone to edit you. Pay an editor to edit your first twenty pages. You can probably get a sample deal with it with an editor for fifty bucks, you know, okay. and see what they have to say about that. Because if your first twenty pages are horrible, you can learn all the lessons you need to learn in those twenty pages. And then once you're more advanced and you're better, now you need someone to look at the whole book. Um, but you'll learn a lot from just getting 10 or 20 pages. Nice. Critique. Oh, well, that's awesome. That's great. 
So, um, can you tell us a little bit about where you find it's the best place for you to write? Is there a certain time of day? Is it a certain place that you find that you just start? Besides, you know, having the deadline, do you find that, they, are you a morning writer? Are you a middle of the day? Yeah, no. Deadline, for me, a deadline is absolutely motivating. Because okay. once I get a deadline, I backwards plan, right? So yeah. I know this book is due in December. Um, so I know that the first draft has to be done probably about the 1st of July okay. to give me time to rewrite it in July, get it to readers in August, get feedback and write it again in September um, and then write it again in November. You know, so so I kind of need to I kind of know the timeline. Mm -hmm. um, I write better in the evenings. Okay. That said, my current life family life doesn't lend itself to writing at night. Um, so I tend to write in the afternoons. Mm -hmm. I am really, really not productive before lunch. So I try to do my work, my, my non-writing work before lunch. So okay. if I got to mow the lawn or mm -hmm. got to work out or do anything else, I'll try to do that stuff in the morning so that I have the time in the afternoon to write. Um, although if it was my complete preference, mm -hmm. I would write mm -hmm. at night. Because I just, okay. I do better, more, I'm more creative, um, you know, I don't know why, this kind of is. I was wondering, so basically you're just, I mean, do you find like, as far as, is there anything, a tool that you would recommend to authors that would help them out as far as when they're first starting out, as far as, I don't know, is it, you know, you hear about some people, they keep a, a journal, I mean, is there anything you would recommend for generating ideas for writing? Um, I, I'm probably not, I, I don't do that. I don't do any of that, to be honest. I'm like the most boring writer ever. <laughs> yes, where I write, I write at my desk in my office okay. and that's it, okay? No music, no other okay. noise, nothing. Um, you know, I have friends who go to coffee shops to write. They have soundtracks for their book, you know, that puts them in the right headspace. I don't do any of that. I okay. sit down, I open a Word document, and I type. Wow. Um, and I guess resources, just yeah. get online and get into the writer community. Writer Twitter is great. Oh, okay. Follow, what, follow a bunch of writers on Twitter, mm -hmm. and they will lead you to all the resources in the world. Nice. You know, because people will post stuff about, hey, this is a great resource for that. Um, there's a lot of forums aspiring writers uh, you know like like old 90s and, and 2000s style online forums oh, where you can go you know and you can even get you can even get critiqued there sometimes and, and meet up with critique partners that way um but often you know often there's agented or even even published authors in those forums giving advice um but more there's so many resources online gotcha. these days that, that i almost I wouldn't, you almost don't have to pay for anything. You know, oh, there's so God. much that's available online. You don't need a creative writing degree. I certainly don't have one. My degrees are in, in military history and economics. Um, you know, then again, you could have a writing degree. Maybe that's how, you know, it doesn't, it's not going to hurt you, mm -hmm. but it's, no one's going to ask. Um, you know, your agent's yeah. never going to ask. You don't even have to put that in your query. They don't really? care. They care if you, did you write the book? Yeah. Is it good? And that's cool. that. Um, yeah. I do keep like notebooks and, uh -huh. and probably documents for future ideas. Oh, okay. 
like if I wake up in the morning and I've just had a, like a dream, I'm like, man, that's really cool. Or I, you know, or I have an idea in the shower or something. I'll get out and I'll just jot a note down in a notebook <clears throat> just so I can pull it out later. Nice. You'll lose those. If you don't know. That's not nice. Well, if there was a way you could go into a time machine and travel back to your younger self about the business of writing and kind of, you know, give yourself a, a tip, what would that be? Like, how far back? <laughs> if, <laughs> well, if, I go back to teen, if I go back to teenage me, I don't think I could tell myself to do anything different. Mm. Because I don't think, I think the thing that made my book yeah. what it is is the experience that I had living my life up to that point. Okay. It's a military science fiction. I spent 27 years in the army. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of knowledge and experience that's caught up in the book. It's not direct one for one. This happened to me for real, mm -hmm. but things like it happened. You know, um, I didn't, none of the characters are real people. But characters like them are real, real people. I mean, you know, no one. There's nobody based on a real character, but there are people who are based on conglomerations of. There are characters based on conglomerations of people. You know, you'll read my characters if you served in the military. You'll read my character, and you everybody's like, "Oh, I knew a guy like that," because everyone knew a guy like that. You know, he's a guy. He's a very common military character. Um, what would I tell myself if I could go back to? 2014, mm -hmm. what would I tell myself? Um, I tell myself it's going to work. <laughs> you know, keep going. It's going to work out. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's okay. Well, that's, I mean, I think it's awesome that you were able to just make something that, you know, I think it's interesting because um, I'm an illustrator and I've had to kind of change my mindset about, because writers, you guys, you make something, you don't even know necessarily always if it's going to be picked up. Like the first book that you wrote, you know, whether it's good or not. And then you, you turn that into a business. And that's something I've kind of had to switch about my mindset about, um, my illustration work because I kind of was like, Oh, I have to wait till I get that client. Then I do the work for the client and then they, you know, do whatever. And then I get that move on to the next client. And I think authors, um, and even photographers, they're much more entrepreneurial about how they conduct their business. They look at it like a business, like, you know, you're, you're like, I would never miss a deadline. I'm just like, this is what I need to do and making sure you kind of hit those marks. And so, and um, not that I ever missed a deadline, but it was just my mindset about how I did things. I just didn't really think about it really as a practical business side of it. And so, um, yeah, I think authors do a much better job <laughs> than, than artists. I mean, maybe. I, uh -huh. I think it's a, I think it's it's kind of scattershot uh -huh. across the, uh, you know, I mean, you got the fam the famous one is George R. R. Martin, right? The uh, he, he writes um, mm. Game of Thrones, yeah. and and he hasn't delivered the last book yet. You know, he, he hasn't written it. It's been years, um, and a lot a lot of people are waiting on that book, and he's just not done it. Um, for whatever reason, and I don't know, I don't know him. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really know, uh, you know, but, but so you get guys like that. Um, you know, sometimes it's just not going. I mean, Cameron Hurley, who, who puts out a book a year, delayed the third book in one of her trilogies because it just wasn't working. I mean, and she was very, very open about that online. Um, I love her. She's a great writer. 
Um, she was very open about that online that, hey, I tried to write it and, and it wasn't good. Um, you know, and I didn't really know what to do about it. So she took a break from that and wrote some other stuff. And now it's coming out like momentarily. Um, it may be out. Um, so I think, I think it can be, you know, certainly with your first book, you can do whatever you want. You can take as long as you want. You can be as creative as you want. Um, but then you get contracts, you know, um, which is nice. If you're like me and knowing what you have to do and when it's due, if that works for you, it's great. If you're like pure artist though, you know, who, who I need time to in space to create, man, it could be that could be horrible. I mean, mm-hmm. now with that said, no deadline in publishing is ever real. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the, there's the deadline that they give you, and then there's the real deadline. Mm-hmm. You know, th- these editors um, and publishers have been working with artists slash authors forever. And they've probably dealt with every single kind of, you know, person who, people who are going to push things back. So my belief is, is that that first deadline he gave me mm-hmm. is probably the, the, uh, let the author flake out deadline. Mm-hmm. Like, so if I ever went back to him and said, Hey, I can't make December 10th. I need, I need another month. Mm-hmm. I bet he would just say yes. I mean, I don't even think it would take a negotiation. I think it'd be like, okay. Because seriously, why is he want him on December 10th? They're not going to work on it over Christmas. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think he's telling me December 10th, maybe because he needs it by January 10th. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I'll turn it on. Well, but, um, but I think it's probably more flexible than some things. Yeah. But uh, I think it's awesome that you've turned it, this into a full-time career for yourself and that... Nice. You're, you're continuing on with uh, your writing. Um, the last question I have for you is at the end of your life, you've, met, you've written all the books that you've wanted and you've lived a full life. If there could be nothing left behind of your existence but a note you've written with three final truths, what would those truths be? What would those truths be? Wow, that's hard. It's a deep one. <laughs> that is deep. Um, I could leave a note. I've written all the books I want to write. Um, like advice kind of truth or just truth? I guess truth for you, what you feel is um, I've had some people just general truths about life or sometimes it's about being creative. Um, it's... I think a general truth about being a an artist is it's – a lot easier if you have the support of your partner. Um, One of the greatest things about my relationship with my wife, um, who I've been married to for 27 years, is that she does not begrudge me the time I need to create. Um, She knows that I'm happier when I'm writing than when I'm not. um, And she wants me to be happy. Now, the fact that I'm making money on it probably helps. Um, you know, it's actually a job, so so I, I can couch it that way. But she's really rarely, rarely begrudged me the time that I need to do what I need to do to be happy. Um, the second thing, you know, there's that old cliche that if you love what you're doing, then you'll never work a day in your life. I would like to tell you that the truth is that that's nonsense. <laughs> that's nonsense. Some days writing is work. You know, some days it's not. Some days it's awesome and I'm creating stuff that I love 
you know, but sometimes I'm getting through a scene that's not that great and I know it's going to get cut later, but it's just got to be done because if I, I got to get it done so I can get on to the next thing because we got a deadline, you know? So there are some days where it's, it's absolutely awesome and it's fun. And there are some days when it's work and it's not great and you're not having fun, but that's okay. As long as you, as long as it's not all that second part, mm-hmm. you know, as long as it sometimes you're, you're, you're getting that feeling sometimes, you know, cause it's a job. Mm-hmm. Once you make your, your hobby, your job, well, you can't quit when it's not fun. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so I would say that that's the truth. Um, and then I guess the last one is it's never too late. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's the obvious one for me. Um, I started writing in my 40s um, full-time. I mean, not, not full-time, but I mean, I started making a serious dent at writing in my 40s. Um, so if there's something that you really want to do and you don't have the opportunity to do it right now, don't don't despair. Maybe, maybe you will later. Mm-hmm. You know, don't give up on the dream. Maybe you have to postpone the dream because, look, reality is reality. You got to make a living to support your family. Mm-hmm. You got to finish school. You've got to raise your kids. You've got to do whatever it is that you've got to do in that season of your life. But most of those things won't happen forever. You know, you'll go into a different season and maybe you'll have an opportunity to do what you want to do then. And that's what happened to me. So now I get to do it full time starting, I guess, the day after tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. For those for those who don't know, uh, Nancy and I teach at the same school, and I will not be teaching there. Tomorrow's the last day, so and I'm not teaching there next year. So, so that's well, I'm I'm sure you'll be missed. I always enjoyed um, our lunchtime conver- conversations about your your extensive knowledge about the business of writing. You are very aware of like the ins and outs of the contracts you sign and how the business works. So I found that really enlightening. Because um, it's nice to learn from other disciplines because it's still a creative discipline and there are some there are parallels um, from illustration to uh, writing. And so um, I really enjoyed the conversations and I hope you enjoy your time, um, full-time writing. And um, thank you so much for those uh, words of wisdom. Thanks so much for having me. I was, it's really enjoyable. I appreciate it. All right. Well, everybody, uh, thank you for listening to My Creative Life. Bye.